0: My point about baseball in Seattle is summarized in one sense. It was never a bad baseball town. It was a town of bad baseball, and that's a big distinction because all it took for the Mariners to get $380 million in public funding for a new stadium was six weeks of good baseball.
1: sports columnist and author Art Thiel talking about just a little slice of history and the ups and downs of pro baseball in Seattle. Art has been observing and writing about sports in Seattle for many years. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey your host and producer. Prior to the Seattle Mariners there was a major league team in Seattle 50 years ago and their name was the Seattle Pilots and they played for one year, 1969. The tale of the Seattle Pilots is only growing with the passage of time. It was the only team in modern history to again last for one year. There was a lot of finger pointing going on then and now as to why that happened. If you're interested in the story of the Pilots after what you hear today, you can go online and watch an incredible documentary called Seattle Pilots Short Flight Into History. It is produced by Steve Cox and Brad Powers. Now, the state of Washington sued Major League Baseball for allowing the Pilots to move to Milwaukee and become the Brewers, which they still call home. Major League Baseball cut a deal with then-Attorney General Slade Gordon that if the state of Washington dropped the lawsuit, they would award Seattle with another team. That's when the Mariners were born. If all this drama wasn't enough, A relief pitcher for the Pilots that year by the name of Jim Boughton wrote a book called Ball Four. It chronicled his experience with the Pilots that year and other memories he had in Major League Baseball. Let me just read something that was said about Ball Four at the time. Again, it was published in 1970, the year after the Pilots moved. Ball Four stunned the sports world. The commissioner, executives, and players were shocked. Sports writers called author Jim Bouton a traitor and a social leper. Baseball commissioner Boobie Kuhn tried to force him to declare the book untrue. So if that doesn't pique your interest in wanting to read this book, I don't know what will. Back with my interview with Art Teal in just a moment.
2: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
1: Art Teal, former Seattle P.I. sports columnist, author, and co-founder of SportsPressNorthwest.com is my guest. Art's outstanding sports coverage has been around the Seattle area for decades. We both have something in common, and that is we attended opening day of the Seattle Pilots on April 11, 1969. Of course, we didn't know it at the time, but we did have some shared experiences at the game without knowing it. I asked Art, what did Major League Baseball coming to Seattle mean to him in 1969?
0: There was so much excitement about the arrival of Major League Baseball. And as a kid growing up, I used to read the box scores and follow the teams at the standings. And I was a big fan of the Dodgers only because on occasion, uh, if the uh, atmosphere were right at night, you could get the radio signal from Los Angeles and you could listen to both uh, in, in San Francisco uh, or in Los Angeles as well as that you could uh, get signals of major league games and i thought that was just very cool and uh so this was you know coming uh, this was a homecoming of baseball in an area uh where i grew up and so naturally i was excited and of course it became subject of one of the great literary masterpieces of of baseball ball four by jim bouton relief pitcher at the time for the Pilots who had much greater success as an author than he did as a ball player.
1: And I look at that book, it's almost like The Wizard of Oz when the curtain was drawn back, and Toto, (laughs) you saw the wizard, who he was in Mm -hmm. flesh and blood. It's kind of that's what Jim Bouton did to baseball. It pulled back the curtain, but more importantly, I think he changed journalism.
0: Yeah, I think he certainly did change sports journalism, and his uh, account was very honest and gritty and vivid, of the, the, you know, the shortcomings and the humanity of all the players when I think coverage up to that time generally in sports deified players or at least you know had them up on a pedestal but, that they were somehow special people. And what they were was very talented athletes, but they were no more free of life's ups and downs than any of the rest of it.
1: One of the things I read, and it was a while ago, the ownership group, They wanted to expand the following year. They didn't want to start in 1969, but something with Kansas City or something like that forced them to uh, actually open up in 1969. Do you know anything about that? As
0: I recollect, there was a desire to have these two expansion teams start, one in Kansas City and the one in Seattle, to start in at least 1970, maybe even 71, because Kansas City had lost its athletics team to Oakland when Charlie Finley bought the club and moved it west. And so they were without a team, and there was a very influential senator at the time in Missouri by the name of Stuart Symington, and he had a lot of influence uh, in the Senate. And at, at that time, and for many years afterwards, anytime. time a politician was upset with Major League Baseball that would threaten to roll back the sports antitrust exemption, a federal law that allowed them to operate as a monopoly. The owners never wanted that, so they always tried to appease politicians. And the upshot was that Symington said, no, I want a team back in Kansas City sooner than that. And because Major League Baseball and all sports leagues like to have an even number of teams to create a balanced schedule, Major League Baseball was intimidated by Symington's threats, and so they moved up the expansion of the Pilots and uh, the Royals to 1969. I think that would have been a, a big help to have started in 71.
1: You know, and the other thing when we discussed the demise of the Pilots, too, Seattle was in the midst of a real recession then. In 1969, we had the uh, Como broadcast about Seattle is dying, what, two months ago on homelessness which I think is the exact opposite of what is going on in Seattle. It's thriving, and one of the reasons we have part of the homeless problem is for that. But I wanted to digress into that. But Seattle was truly dying at that time. Well,
0: yeah, it was obviously the Boeing layoffs at that time. uh, It was a huge region-wide blow. I think the famous billboard in Seattle at the time where the last person leaving Seattle, please turn out the light. One of the reasons I think uh, Seattle had been Successful, yeah, and I would agree that CL is nowhere near dying. But the pilots were in that crosshairs at that time of, of dealing with uh, the setback at Boeing. So yeah, that was a definitely a thumb on the pilots' turnkey.
1: Lou Pinella was uh, drafted for the pilots, and in spring training, he didn't, I guess, impress a lot of people. And then uh, from what I saw in the video. Short flight into history. That Schultz, the manager, thought he was a hothead. They traded him to Kansas City, and he became Rookie of the Year.
0: Yes, he was here. Uh, it was just spring training, and I think it was April first. He got uh, April first of '69, which would have been uh, just a few days before the opener. They traded him to uh, Kansas City. I I remember asking Lou once and. He had very little recollection of uh, pilot spring training. Spring training at the pilot didn't resonate a whole lot with him, but that was a, a great irony that he was a he was a pilot for about a month.
1: The pilots actually got off to a pretty good start that year.
0: Right. Yeah. They uh, you know they won their the opener and the, and a road opener and things looked decent in April, but uh, June and July. I think August or I should say July and August were the this terrible month. I think August they were six and twenty-two, and uh, and you know again I don't think anybody who understood baseball then or now had much more expectation because the expansion rules in which they populated the roster were pretty onerous. They were getting uh, most major league teams in the expansion draft. They were getting their you know twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth players. I think they were be only like three games behind the division league in July. So it wasn't like it was altogether terrible, but they quickly faded in July and August.
1: When we move now into the Mariners now, uh, they were created by the lawsuit of the Seattle pilots. It was Slade Gordon, the attorney general, went to the American league or maybe the major league. I don't know that much detail about it, but they were suing the American league and, uh, They settled and said, okay, we'll give you the Seattle Mariners if you uh, drop the lawsuit. Is that essentially correct?
0: Yeah, that was uh, in uh, uh, Slate Gordon was then uh, state attorney general, and he joined the city, county, and uh, the state offices in a suit filed in 1970 uh, in Snohomish County for uh, breach of contract, basically. The the MLB did it. live up to what it said it would do to help the pilots sustain, and then pull them out without uh, without legal justification to move them to Milwaukee, where they were purchased by a used car salesman by the name of Bud Seely, who went on to have some success as the uh, MLB commissioner, as well as uh, owning what became the Brewers. But um, uh, Gordon, uh, it, took, uh, it just took so long to get this uh, case to trial. It actually didn't get, um, started until I think 75 or 76, but it quickly became apparent. Uh, and, and Gordon did a masterful job of painting the owners as crooks, slow lifes and ne'er-do-wells. The MLB sued for a settlement, or pursued a pursuit of settlement and got it with the city by granting the franchise. But his, uh, Gordon's summary was that, um, it was my experience that if, after dealing with these owners, that if one of them moved into your neighborhood, property values would go down.
1: <laughs> Ouch.
0: <laughs> and uh, and so they knew, and MLB really knew that they had no shot on 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 this uh, on the relocation of the pilot. So that's when they successfully. Oh, well, that's when uh, the plaintiff successfully were awarded the franchise that became. The Seattle Mariner, Emmett Watson, the uh, famed uh, columnist at the Seattle PI and, and later at the Seattle Times, wrote that this is no way to start a ball club unless you want to name this ball club the Seattle Litigants, <laughs> and uh, that's always stuck with me because uh, it, it was true that um, winning, you know, winning a settlement in a lawsuit is not exactly the emotional a ringer that you want for uh, the start of a ball club. And the, you know, the Kingdom did come into existence in 1976, so the the, the franchise would have a much better chance of success in a ball ballpark that sat 58,000 people. And as we know, they struggled mightily. They were the slowest team to 500 of any franchise in the modern history of major league sports in North America. It took them 15 years to get to a 500 season and they seemed to be at perpetual jeopardy of
1: moving and repeating the same thing that happened to the pilot During the 1995 baseball season with the Mariners, they were really limping along up through the All-Star break. I think they were like 13 and a half games out of first. But Ken Griffey Jr. got hurt, but he came back in late August, and they caught fire, and they played like they never had before. They went on to play the Yankees in the American League playoffs. I think those several weeks saved baseball in Seattle. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, yeah, that's a very good possibility that we would not have uh, baseball. But I wrote in my book, Out of Left Field, uh, which I published in 2002 about the business success of the Mariners, my point about baseball in Seattle is summarized in one sense. It was never a bad baseball town. It was a town of bad baseball. And that's a big distinction because all it took for the Mariners to get $380 million in public funding for a new stadium was six weeks of good baseball from mid-August of 95, as you mentioned, through September, and then one magical playoff series against the Yankees was all it took to turn the fortunes around after they'd been struggling. If they had just invested in baseball, you know, if the ownership, the original ownership uh, that took over in St. in 1977 mm-hmm. Danny Kay and five local businessmen, uh, they in over their heads financially. They sold to an Orange County businessman by the name of George Argeros in 1981. And he turned out to be a crook, as far as I was concerned, at least in terms of how he was, you know, lying about how much he was going to do for Seattle. He tried to move the teams. He tried to buy the Padres. Finally, he sold to Jeff Smollian. I think in 1989, another out-of-towner uh, who owned uh, had a broadcasting fortune based in Indianapolis. Uh, these successions of out-of-town owners weren't embraced by the local community, nor did uh, the owners make an effort to engage. They always seemed to be looking to relocate the team elsewhere. And again, you know, it was a town of bad baseball, and people didn't respond because the the owners didn't invest, and a part of it was the Kingdome, even though the Kingdome saved the franchise by being an adequate place to play, he was also indoors in a place in the world that I think has the best summers, and to watch baseball, you had to go indoors, and I think that was a big impediment to some people. I, I think winning baseball would, would have topped that excuse, but as long as you weren't Successful people could use the good weather outdoors as a as an excuse not to go indoors, and so.
1: Well, I, I couldn't agree prevailed. with you more. I couldn't agree with you more on that because I'd be one of those people. I'm a baseball fan, but there were days I'm going. I'm not going to a game. I I just going to be outside because I agree our summers are wonderful, and it's interesting when you go across the country when you say you're from seattle 99 percent of the time it's not like oh that's where microsoft or starbucks is oh it always rains there and i'm going well no not it really doesn't but the perception is that it does and i think baseball uh thought the same thing living on the east coast or something the people who made the decisions and i remember them saying you have to build a dome stadium if you're going to get a franchise
0: well i think uh, there was a collection of Uh, thoughts, because again, this was authorized in 1968. The King Dome was part of a package uh, authorized uh, by voters, King County voters, 1958. And the community leaders were the ones that decided to make a domed stadium Um, in part because that's what MLB said, but that's also, it know, the uh, NFL Seahawks as well. And so there was a consensus in the community that dovetailed with what the view would have been in Major League and NFL office at the time is that Seattle's weather, um, especially if you're going to use it for an expansion football team in, in November and December, uh, it, you needed to be indoors. And, of course, the Houston Astrodome in 1964 was the bell cow for this notion of multi-purpose. Indoor stadiums, and they didn't have to worry about rain down there. They had to worry about heat. Um, but other domes came over: the Silver Dome in in uh, Detroit, and the and the uh, the Metrodome in Minneapolis, and all these indoor stadiums with roofs seemed to be very trendy. And the fact was that the King Dome was a very successful business enterprise because. They had more than two hundred event dates every year of people occupying the place for um, uh, flat shows such as the car shows, the boat shows, and uh, outdoor sportsman shows and concerts. Uh, it was a it was a very well utilized public space because it had a nine acre roof, <laughs> keeping the elements out. So a good point. it was it was a very um, effective space. And the only money losers the kingdom ever had were the Mariners and the Seahawks leases. Uh, They got, they got sweetheart deals for these uh, pro sports franchises that didn't make the county, the owner of the kingdom any money, but they, they were a big way to attract uh, sports franchises, the national profile that Seattle got from having all these teams. So it was a benefit for the county, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, a uh, uh, black ink operation for uh, King County. But the virtues outweighed the liabilities that, the, the, you know, the kingdom was very effective, but only for 24 years. And uh, then they blew it up because the passion for sports was such that the teams got what they wanted, sports specific, two sports-specific stadiums side-by-side side in soda. Uh, to replace the kingdom, and both of them have been highly successful, even if their starts were
1: controversial. That's Art Thiel, co-founder and columnist for SportsPressNorthwest.com. That's SportsPressNW.com. Also, Art wrote a highly acclaimed book about the history of the Seattle Mariners. It's called Out in Left Field. Another book will be coming out shortly, and he'll be announcing the contents of that in the next month, and I will, for sure, talk to him about that.
3: And Tonight, the first of a three-game series with Ted Williams and the Washington Senators. Coleman going for Washington. Gene Brabender starting for the pilots. Ted Williams and manager Joe Schultz meeting with the umpires at home plate. And we shall take a look at the starting lineups for both teams in just one minute. Go, go, you pilots. The Yankees visit next. On August 1 and 2 and 3, we hope they'll be perplexed by what the pilot pitchers throw. They've surely got the touch to fool the likes of Capitone when he's up in the clutch. Go, go, you pilots. Last time the Yanks were here, we had a bloomin' Brook. The punches were severe. Remember, too, their pitching star, a man that we admire. He'll be here once again. I mean, of course, Mel Stottlemyre. Yankees are here for their final visit of 1969, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. In addition, August 3rd is Bat Day. For ticket information, phone the pilots at Parkway
1: 5-8500. That's the late Rod Belcher, and he was a play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Rainiers, and he also worked for King 5 TV throughout the 1960s. He also wrote the... Seattle Pilots theme song, Go Go You Pilots. He obviously changed some of the lyrics for the song in promoting an upcoming series with the New York Yankees, as he said during the jingle on August 1, 2, and 3, and we'll hope they'll be perplexed. Now at the beginning of this clip, you heard the voice of Bill Shanley, and he along with Jimmy Dudley were the co-announcers for the Seattle Pilots and in this particular evening they were playing the Washington Senators who were then managed by Ted Williams. I recorded this little clip of Bill Shanley introducing the the game on a July evening and Rod Belcher's rendition of Go Go You Pilots on my old reel-to-reel recorder. Did you also catch at the end of Go Go You Pilots again this version of it when he gave a phone number for ordering tickets Parkway 58500. The only way to order tickets then was by calling that phone number.
2: Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist Is Self-Employment for You? Pre-Flight addresses 8 myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist.
1: The year was 1969. What else was going on in the country that summer other than the pilots playing baseball in Seattle? America put the first man on the moon, Neil Armstrong. Charles Manson. Murdered, Sharon Tate and the LaBianca family in Los Angeles would script the country for many years to come. And the Woodstock Concert took place in upstate New York. The average income in the United States was $8,000 per year. Monthly rent, $135. The cost of a new car, $3,000. The average price for a gallon of gas, $0.35. And the average home price, $4,500. The average ticket price for a Seattle Pilots game, $4.50, sounds like a good deal. But at the time, it was one of the highest ticket prices in all of Major League Baseball. Just a reminder, once again, a great documentary on the Seattle Pilots produced by Steve Cox and Brad Powers. It's called Seattle Pilots, Short Flight into History. I'm going to leave you with Steve Whitaker, who was an outfielder for the Seattle Pilots. He sums up a lot of people's feelings about the Seattle Pilots in their one year in Seattle. And then I'll close off with Art Teal, in summarizing the fascination that many of us have with the Seattle Pilots. And finally, there will be one more kind of Halloween rendition of Go, Go, You Pilots performed by Scott McCaughey and the Minus 5 Young, Fresh Fellows. Have a great rest of the week or weekend. And go go, you pilots. One year, you know, we're talking about a major league franchise. I mean, when you think of a franchise, you think of a hundred years. <laughs> you think of the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Yankees. And one year, a big league and that that happens. That doesn't even happen in the minor leagues. I mean, you don't get a franchise in the minor leagues, and you see it gone the next year. I
3: suppose to the same popularity of a misprinted stamp or a misstamped coin, you know, the utter freakiness of the pilots, a one-year team. And there was so much goofiness that uh, Bouton immortalized that, it, that the team and its image, just the idea of a one-year team became endearing. Even if you weren't born then, even if you have moved to Seattle only recently, the story of this thing is still fascinating and it's still... I think from those people who are have been here, who have those memories, there's a, there's a certain affection for that period in Seattle sports history. So I think it would be embraced even if you weren't uh, alive or around or aware of the pilots at the time. I think this part of Seattle's history is a worth uh, is, is worth revisiting.
2: Go.
1: You proud Seattle team Go